welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Just before we go into the message, can I have you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes? I think that we've done a great job at positioning our hearts. But you could be in a church service and hear a message and it still not change you. You could be in a church service and and, and be a part of even a worship experience as powerful as the one that we just had right now and it still not make a difference. And what I've realized is that what it comes down to is God is not going to force himself upon us. We have to make the decision to position ourselves to receive what he has to give for us today. And let's be honest, we can be in a church service and, and be hearing a message, but all we're thinking about it are the problems and the things that are weighing heavy on us today. We could be in a church service right now and and the enemy is just distracting you by what are you doing in this church? They, They should know how you're living. They should know the sin that you struggle with. They should know the temptations that you gave up into this week. And it can block us from receiving from God. But you heard Pastor Sandra say this. He's not asking you to have it all together. If you had to have it all together, Jesus wouldn't have taken the first step. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. He wasn't waiting for you to take the first step. He took the first step of love. And all you have to do this morning is respond. So right there where you're at, just say, Jesus, I position my heart to receive from you. I don't want to leave the same. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your presence, Jesus. God, we thank you that you are here, Lord, and man, I'm believing that you're gonna do something great. I'm believing that that minds are gonna change, God. Minds are gonna be renewed and transformed, Jesus, so that we start aligning ourselves with truth, God. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Start moving through every row. Start moving through every corner of this building and start touching hearts right now. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. You guys may be seated. Can we give God some praise this morning? It is so good to be in Eagle Pass. This is my second time here. I don't know if you guys remember it. I visited about a year ago and uh, had the opportunity to experience Access Church. And can I tell you that I'm amazed at what God has done in such a short period of time. You guys are a part of a movement. I don't know if you realize it. Sometimes you have to get out of your your normal uh, environment for you to understand how good you have it here. The worship that you have and the pastors that you have. Do you guys agree you have the best pastors? Come on now. Pastor Brian and Sandra, can we show them some honor? I really felt the Lord wanted me to share this word with you guys. When I was in the shower yesterday, I think that as leaders, we're so critical on ourselves and we can be so hard on ourselves. We have to live with ourselves so we know all of our imperfections. And I think Pastor Brian's watching. And sometimes we can question if what we're doing is making an impact, right? You get so busy doing the work of the Lord that you're wondering, God, is it really making an impact? Is it really making a change? 
me being here, yes, it's me sharing the word of God, but it's also a reminder to you guys that the seeds that you planted years ago are coming to fruition right now. And God took it a step further. He said, it's not about just me and Debbie, but it's my kids now. The, the seeds that you guys planted at 16 years old are having a ripple effect. It's a domino effect and it's gonna go from generation to generation to generation because of your faithfulness. Brian, I know you're watching because of your faithfulness and we can be so hard on ourselves. Well, I didn't do this right and I didn't do that right. But God's like, hey, that's how good my grace is. That even in the midst of our imperfections, I can still bless what you plant. So continue to work the ground, continue to plant because the best is yet to come for you guys. The best is yet to come. I walked in at 16 years old, like they said, to a church service. And in that time, I shared it with the youth. My family felt like it was falling apart. And I had just gone through some really, uh, what I would consider church hurt, where I felt judged. And I felt like, man, I don't wanna go to another church because I don't know what they're gonna think of me. They're gonna tell me that I'm not dressed right. They're gonna tell me that I have the wrong haircut. They're gonna tell me that I need to do this and I need to do that in order for Jesus to love me. But when I walked into that church, they took me in and they reminded me that the Jesus that I saw in those lives of the people that hurt me was not the Jesus of the Bible. And because they took that position to bring me in, I gave my life to the Lord at a youth service. They began to disciple me and teach me what it was like to walk out my life with Jesus. And just like Pastor Sandra said, I invited my wife. It was at a youth camp. I believe that God began to work in her life. And because of what God started years and years ago, man, it's continuing to happen through our family. So it's a blessing to be here with you guys this morning. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would consider yourself to be health junkies? Like you love to pay attention to what you eat. You love to pay attention to exercise, getting enough sleep. Anybody in the house like that? Okay, a few of you. I'm not at that level. I'm gonna be honest with you, but I'm on a journey. And when I hit my mid thirties, what started to happen is I started to notice that I couldn't do the same things that I used to do when I was 20. Do y'all remember that moment for some of you? You get out of bed and you're like, how did I hurt myself getting out of bed? What's going on here? And so what I started doing is I started what I would consider a health journey because sometimes I do the right things and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I eat like I should and sometimes I don't. But I started building this consistent habit of exercising at least three to four times a week. Again, I'm still on a journey, so some of you may be further along. And there've been two times where I've hurt myself along this journey. The first time that I hurt myself, I was at the gym and I was doing an exercise called a deadlift. Does anybody know what that is? You pack the weights to the side, you've got your weight bar, and if you're positioned right, you're supposed to come up and lock it in and then drop, right? But I was inspired in that moment by The Rock, not the Lord, Dwayne Johnson or something. I grabbed the weight bar, I came back, and I was moving so fast that I came too far back and I felt a pop. And I knew something was wrong in that moment. That injury ended up taking me out for a few days. I couldn't go to work. I was laying in bed and I was just like, oh my goodness, this hurts. The second time that I hurt myself, it was the same thing. I, what I've noticed is that there's a common denominator in my injuries is that I'm moving so fast that I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. And I find it interesting, the times that I'm moving so fast that I don't pay attention to what I'm doing. 
Have you ever made a decision that causes you to go, what was I thinking? Come on, let's be honest. Raise your hand if you've ever made a decision like that, yes. And then you realize I wasn't thinking, I was moving too fast with everything going on in my life right now, that I wasn't thinking about the way that I've been treating my spouse. I wasn't thinking about the way that I've been talking to my kids. I wasn't thinking about the way that I've been making decisions based on my own understanding instead of acknowledging Jesus in all that I do. I've been doing so much and I've been moving so fast. And come on, don't we hate to wait? How many of you can get impatient? Last night we went to the Dairy Queen. If you work at the Dairy Queen here, we're praying for you. We pray that God works out your system. They told us to wrap around and we parked to the side. And man, we sat there and I'm tired. This is after youth service. I'm trying to reflect Jesus and all I say and do, but it was to that point where it was like, okay, Holy Spirit, you really got to take over right now. I'm hungry or you know how you get hangry, right? It's a combination of hungry and angry. It was getting there, but we hate to wait. And I was thinking about how I've seen, right, my generation and just the world change right before my own eyes because y'all remember how we used to have to wait to watch movies at home. There was no movie streaming. You had to go to like a blockbuster or a family video and hope and pray that the movie you wanted was available. Then you came home and you popped it into the VCR and if someone was nice enough, they would have rewinded it for you. But if they weren't, you had to sit there and wait for that thing to rewind all the way, click, then you press play. Oh, it's not over. You still have to wait because now you got to sit through the previews, right? And you could fast forward, but even in your fast forward, you have to wait for it to get to the movie. I don't remember being young and complaining about how long a stoplight took, but I find myself struggling with that these days. You know that counter that tells you, or as a pedestrian that's about to cross, how long it takes before the light's about to change? I think I started using that as a counter for me to tell me how long it's gonna take for that light to change. Or how about this one, the internet? Y'all remember when we used to have to log on to the internet and wait for the internet? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and if you lost signal, good luck. Oh, we had to wait. But we live in a culture now where everything around us screams faster, 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 not fast enough. And I'm afraid that we've gotten so used to this culture of faster, 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 that it's crossed over into the way that we do our relationship with Jesus. God, I want a five minute devotional. Nothing against that, but we get accustomed to that. Hey God, let's walk and talk because I got things to do. Or maybe our prayer life looks like this. I talk, Lord, you listen, amen, I've got a busy day and we don't stay long enough to hear his voice. In John chapter 15, I'm about to read it here. Jesus uses this word abide. Everybody say abide. And abide, when you see the translation, maybe your word, your Bible says remain. In the passage, the word abide in the Greek is a word called meno, which means to stay or to tarry. We don't like to stay. We don't like to tarry. But this is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse one, if you can read along with me. He says, I am the true vine 
and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, pay attention to that, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it be more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. There's that word. Abide in me, stay with me, stay connected to me, and let me stay connected to you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do y'all see that there's a mutual agreement here? He says, stay with me, stay connected to me, and I will stay connected to you. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. There's a mutual agreement there. And Jesus makes it very clear that apart from him, we can do nothing. But it's interesting how many times we try to do things for Jesus without Jesus. I wanna do a bunch of good things and he has nothing to do with it. Let me tell you what happens and if you're taking notes, the message, the title of my message today is the power of abiding. Here's what happens and the power of us staying connected to Jesus, abiding in him, tearing and not being in such a rush. When I abide in him, number one, I can distinguish God's voice from every other voice. See, the moment you wake up, guys, somebody's trying to speak to you. Somebody's trying to guide you. Somebody's trying to give you advice. Somebody's trying to give you input. But when we abide in Him, it allows us to stay long enough to start recognizing His voice and know when it's Him and when it's not. We live in the social media age where everyone feels like they have a voice. And how many times have we seen someone post scripture and use it totally out of context? It's like, yeah, that's not what it means. Or people, and if this is you, hey, God bless you. People will take selfies and then they'll put a verse at the bottom that has nothing to do with the selfie, right? But I find that people will take a post and they'll repost it and think, oh, that sounds smart. Here's the thing what I've realized is not everything that sounds smart is wise. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to line up everything that we read and hear to the word of God. The more that I'm in the word of God and in his presence, I'm able to know his voice, to recognize his voice. So that when I see something that sounds smart or I see something that sounds catchy, I know his voice because I've been spending time in it. I know what he says and I can determine that's not from him. And man, guys, we're living in a time right now that if you don't know the voice of God, if we're not spending time in the Bible, we can easily drift away and start to follow the wrong thing and the wrong person. Not everything that sounds smart is wise. The Bible says in John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Why, why do they follow him? Because they know his voice. Here recently, my wife uh, signed up our kids, the, the three youngest to swimming classes. And I can't teach them how to swim because I don't know how to swim. So y'all pray for me. I know, I'm 38, almost 38, and I still don't know how to swim. So much so that when we were in Hawaii, my wife literally saved my life. I was going under. And I look like the biggest punk or weakest guy ever, but I was holding onto her shoulder as she was swimming. I was like, just get me there. But we signed up our kids for swimming classes, and uh, my youngest, Juju, we have three girls who are here with us today, and our youngest is a boy. My youngest, Juju, was having a hard time getting used to the water and the instructions of the instructor. 
And so it was weighing heavy on my wife and she was like, something's gotta change. Like he was freaking out so bad that he was holding onto the instructor's neck and, and left marks and screaming, I mean, just off the top of his lungs. And so we had a conversation and she said, she came up with the genius plan of one of us getting in the water. And when she said one of us, she was really probably referring me, right? <laughs> so I got in the water with my boy and, and I jump in and he's sitting on the ledge and, and I'm like, okay, buddy, you need to jump. And of course he's, he's getting scared. He was freaked out so much that during his nap time the, the day before he woke up because he was having nightmares of drowning. That's how much fear he had. And so he jumps in the water eventually after some talking to, and he's just holding on to me so tight. And I had to talk to him in this way. I said, hey, buddy, look at me. Look at me. I'm with you. I'm not gonna let you drown. I'm right here. And I walked him through, hey, can you feel my hands? Yes, where are they? On my back, good, that's me, I've got you. The instructor was right next to us, but what started to make the difference was his father's voice. And so then I said, hey buddy, start kicking your legs. I can't, I don't wanna drown. I said, don't worry, do you feel my hands? Where are they? Yes, on my back, okay, great, start kicking your legs. And he started kicking his legs. And we did that for a minute. And we were going back and forth. And then I said, okay, now I'm really gonna challenge you. I need you to turn on your back. The instructor was telling me what to do. And he's like, no, no, no. And I was like, look, have I let you drown up to now? No, okay, then do it. And he starts to turn over. And what you're about to see was the final product here. I think you guys have the clip of my son uh, swimming here. This is my wife's social media page. I'm in the blue shirt, the very, very back. And you can see that he's on his back. And what you are seeing there right there is me talking to him and just saying, it's okay, I'm here. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but can I tell you that the Father is here to remind you, I'm here. I'm not gonna let you go. You're not gonna sink and drown. I've got you. Do you sense my presence right now? That's me telling you, I've got you. You don't need to be afraid. Pay attention to my voice. Abide in me so that you can know when I'm speaking to you and when it's me that's guiding you. When we abide in him, we're able to distinguish his voice. The second thing is the power of abiding brings this, is when we're staying connected to God, we're able to reflect Jesus to the world around us. John 15, five says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears what? Much fruit. What fruit is it referring to? It's referring to the fruit of the spirit. Now, some of you, this may be new to you. You're like, what is the fruit of the Spirit? This is the evidence of God working in a follower of Jesus' life. This is how you can tell that God is working in someone's life, is these things that I'm about to name start to increase. And you see a progression from, hey, I know who you were before. Some of y'all have that story. And I have seen how Jesus has transformed your heart. Here's what happens when the work of God or God's working on our hearts, the fruit of the spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Go back and read it, Galatians 5. Guys, the world doesn't need more Christian stuff. They need Christians living out the fruit of the spirit. 
They need Christians who are increasing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But boy, have we met some salty Christians. Come on, y'all. We've met some stanky-faced Christians, right? So much so that it's like, bro, don't tell anybody you're a Christian because you're making us look bad, right? I know God's working on people. I get that. But man, if joy should be increasing, then our lives should reflect it. And let me take it a step further. This is what I'm challenged in. It's easy for me to want to reflect the fruit of the Spirit when I'm in an environment like this. But can my kids see the fruit of the Spirit increasing? Can my wife see that the fruit of the Spirit is increasing? Can she see me loving her better? Can she see me serving her better? Or is it just a show that I put on on stage? That's the challenge. John 15, 8, it says, but this is how my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit so that you prove to be my disciples. You want to know how the world will see that you're a follower of Jesus is they see you bearing much fruit. It's not perfection. Let's make that clear. Nobody's perfect. But the world loves to see how a follower of Jesus will handle their imperfections. When you offend someone, can we go back and say, hey, I need to ask for forgiveness? When we made a decision that lacks integrity, can we own up and say, hey, I'm sorry, man, I, I did not do what I was supposed to do there. When we're in our work environment, do we work in excellence so that they can see a difference between us and every other employee? This is how God is glorified, that there be evidence of his work in our lives. And when we abide in him, the fruit of the spirit starts to increase in our lives. The things I used to give into, I don't give into anymore because self-control is increasing. In the middle of a tough situation, there's peace that I have and people don't understand, but it's increasing. Hard times will come. This week has been hard for our family. We had all kinds of conversations like, man, should we take this trip? This Tuesday, our family had, we had to bury our baby niece. And when I tell you that it's hard to go through something like that, and as a father sitting there watching your kids cry as they're going through this and mourn, because they had an image of how things were gonna look. And just like that, things completely changed. And I don't remember a week where I had to take so many deep breaths. I told my wife, I said, this week, I found myself doing this a lot. People think that because we follow Jesus that we don't struggle. But there comes a point where the word of God is no longer just catchy and cute, but we're like, God, if you promise rest, I need it right now. God, if your word says that you give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, this is it right now. I need it, God. And I found myself doing that over and over again this week. And if I could summarize what I was praying for this whole week, it was this, it was rest. As I was preparing, I'm reminded that when I abide in him, I have access and I receive his rest. Some of us can't put into words what we feel we need, but I believe a lot of us would say that everything can be summarized in this one word, it's rest. Some of you are like, man, I just need rest mentally. My mind will not shut off. 
I lay in bed and my mind's just running. What if and what if and, and what if this happens and what if that happens and, and I just can't shut off. Some of us would say that we need rest emotionally. You're drained, you've cried and you've mourned and you've had late nights and you've had questions and you've had all of these moments and emotionally you're just drained. Some of us would say that we just need rest physically. Your sleep pattern's all out of whack. You lay in bed and you can't fall asleep because either you're haunted by your past or your present mistakes or, or you're worried that something bad is going to happen and so you just lay in bed. I know the feeling too well. Author Corey Ten Boom once said, when it comes to busyness, us going and moving faster all the time, if that devil can't make you sin, he'll keep you busy. And I believe that there's a spiritual attack on the rhythm of rest that God originally created for us to have. We weren't meant to go, 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 no stopping, hustle, 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 I'll sleep when I'm dead. Pastor and author John Mark Homer said this, both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your soul. And I'm pretty sure that if I surveyed this room, a lot of you would agree that rest is what you need. Let me bring you some words of life this morning to remind you of the Jesus that you serve. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, this is what it says. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Is that you? Are you weary? Are you burdened? And his, this is his promise to you. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anyone feel burdened right now because you can't keep up with all the demands of life? You're tired, you're weary, and you're burdened. And I can imagine as Jesus was reading these words and people were hearing it for the first time, they did this. I need rest. Let me read this promise to you, but this time in the message translation. And I pray that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you in this moment that his rest is available for you. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? In other words, trying to do all the right things, but it just never feels like enough. He says, come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Why does it say a real rest? Because the, the world will promise rest, but it's only temporary. A real rest is something deep. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Does it make you take a deep breath and go, I need that. This is not a catchy or cute quote from Jesus. It's a promise for you, follower of Jesus. One of the things that we've been learning at our church and and uh, studying and just getting better at is the, the gift of the Sabbath. When you read the scripture, we find this gift found in the scriptures, it's the Sabbath. If you've read the creation story, we see that, that God created the, the, everything in six days and on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. And it wasn't that God was tired, but he was giving us a model to follow. 
See, if God had continued to just go, 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 go all seven days, we would be saying, hey, God didn't rest, why should I? But the reason he gave us a day of rest is because he knows that we have limitations, that we're not him, that we can only handle so much and we need that time to recover and to be refilled so that we can be effective in what it is that God has called us to do. And Jesus says in Mark 2:27, the Sabbath, this period of rest was made for men, not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift that God's giving you. He reminds the people of God's original plan and rhythm. The Sabbath is intended to help us not burden us. It's not a, a command that we're forced to, but it's an invitation to do God th God's uh, life God's way. And so what our family has been doing, we're, we're learning how to incorporate this in our, our, our daily or weekly routine is, is we've been doing this is for a 24 hour period, we're doing four things according to what we see in scripture. Number one, we stop. That means no work. Some of you are already freaking out as you hear that. It takes practice because the first week that we did it, I felt a guilt of just laying down. I'm like, something's wrong. I should be moving. I should be doing something. That's the problem is we live in a culture that tells you that your identity is tied by what you do. And God says, it's not about what you do, that even when you're not doing, God says, you're still my son. You're still successful, even if you're not doing income producing activity or doing something that's producing. When we stop, we're reminded that the world does not revolve around us, but he's in the throne. And can I tell you something? That when you stop working, God is still working for you? Yes, he does. There's a passage in the, the Psalm that says that even while I'm sleeping, God is working. I'm limited, you're limited to 24 hour period, right? Or less because of when we go to sleep. But even while you're working, God is still, even while you're sleeping, God is still working. And I can't tell you the times that I've woken up on a Monday morning and I go into work, I still have a part-time job, and I get calls of people that are like, hey, you met with me years ago and you left me an estimate for, I do HVAC systems. Hey, we want to move forward. And it's a God reminder to say, I'm working even when you're not. But we stop. The second thing we do is we rest, literally resting. This does not mean that I'm running errands because now I have a day to do it. I take naps, that's what refills me. In any work-related activity, we stop. Anything that requires extra energy, we stop. The third thing we do is we delight. We find what's gonna fill us up. And I learned this from a book that I read, do something called pleasure stacking. Figure out the things that you love to do that refill you. What is it? Is it cooking for some of you? Man, you love to cook and it just refills you. Some of you are like, that sounds like hell. I would not want to cook on my day off, right? Is it reading a good book? My wife loves that. She's like, man, this is my opportunity to catch up on my reading. I have a motorbike. Yes, I have a motorbike, okay? It goes about 40 to 45 miles per hour, not too crazy. And I'll just hop on and take the roads, man. But in that time, what we do is we say, hey, in the morning when we wake up, we're gonna make a big breakfast because that brings joy to our family. And we turn off the screens, no phones, no tablets, no TVs. I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but we play board games and we just spend time together as a family. We find delight in that day. And the last thing that we do is we worship. This may look like coming to church or taking some time to reflect on God throughout the day. And one of the things that has helped us is practicing a spirit of gratitude. Instead of adding more and buying more, we stop and thank God for what we already have.
So stop, rest, delight, worship. We look forward to Sabbath because we all have felt the difference. Our five-year-old is like, when is Sabbath? He knows what's coming. There's not a rush. There's not a schedule that we have to follow. We're just resting, reflecting, and recovering so that we can be effective in the areas that God has called us to. How much different would your life look if you started to align yourself to God's original plan, to his rhythm? It's not unhurried. When you see the life of Jesus and you study it, he was never in a hurry, yet he was intentional and he knew his mission here on earth. He was not being directed by every demand of everyone around him, but he was abiding in the Father and that of that place is how he led. Guys, somebody's always gonna be pulling you in a different direction. Something's always gonna be wanting your attention. But when we abide in the Father, we're able to say, God, teach me how to say no to things and teach me what I should say yes to. I'm only one person. Teach me to obey you, God. As I close, I wanna remind you of this, that because I'm up here and I'm talking about this doesn't mean that I fully have mastered it. There are many times where I drift, but my walk with Jesus, I've learned, is that it's a continued course correction. It's getting back on path with him and getting back to where I should be. I can tell you that when I'm not abiding and staying connected to him, my life reflects it. I'm not showing the evidence of the fruit in the spirit. I'm not resting in him. And I'm definitely being guided by voices that shouldn't be guiding me. I wanna pray with you guys this morning if you can bow your heads and close your eyes. Right there where you're at, can you just have a conversation with God? Whether you've been coming to church for quite some time or, or you're new and you're sitting right there, you're like, man, I've never talked to God, that's okay. He's not asking for fancy words. I'll guide you. Have a conversation and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? What do you think God is pointing out right now? Let me bring some encouragement to some of you. It can feel overwhelming and it can be discouraging to see where you're at, to know where he's calling you and see this huge gap and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Just start with the one thing that you feel like he's telling you right now. And as you take that step of obedience, he'll show you the next step. As you start to move in obedience and what he's asking you to do, no matter how small it may seem, he'll show you the next step. Father, I pray for a spirit of rest in this place right now. I pray right now as we're here, Lord, that we begin to cast all our burdens and all anxieties on you right now. The word of God says, cast all your burdens, cast all your anxieties on him. And that word cast, when you see what it means in the original language, it means to literally forcefully throw it off. 
Some of you got some stuff that you need to just cast and throw it on him. Let him start working for you and quit trying to exert all your energy and, and try to use all your mental space, trying to figure out a solution. He says, rest in me and watch what I'll do. Take a deep breath and start to align yourself into the rhythm of Jesus. He wasn't hurried, but he was intentional. I thank you, Lord, that you're present. And I thank you that you're near, God. And I believe that this week, as, as we continue to move into our schedules, that you're gonna be reminders, bring reminders, God, that you're calling us to, to do it thing, things your way, God, to do it the way that you've designed things to be and not get out of your rhythm, God. Teach us how to abide in you this week. God, that we set time aside to, to spend time in your word and to spend time in your presence and in prayer, God, not rushed, but to allow you to bring what we need for that day. And God, I just pray a blessing over Access Church, Lord. Continue to multiply what you started, Lord. Open up doors, God. They think the doors that you've opened up to up to this point are great, God. Open up greater doors for them, Jesus. Bring the property that they need, God. Bring the leadership that they need in order to continue to grow, God. Bring wisdom and guidance in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.